0: Makini Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience, and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing, so get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us on the in the Walk My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show in the world where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but I'm more interested in her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. But before we get there, I've got a couple questions for you. Do you struggle to finish your creative projects? Do you have a hard time focusing on urgent tasks? Do you have a hard time getting organized? If you answered yes to even one of those questions, guess what? You have a time management issue. The good news is that you're not alone. In fact, a few weeks ago, I asked everyone in this community what they struggled with most. And all of those that responded to our email said time management. That was the most popular response. So here's what I've done. I've gone ahead and created a new training specifically for women entrepreneurs to take back control of their time. If you click down at the details section, there will be the link for all of the details about the upcoming course. In this new course, here's a few things that you are going to finally get handled. How to structure your life so there's joy in your entrepreneur journey and life, How to identify the habits that you've taken on that are stealing away purchase time? How to schedule time to work on that dream project you've put off for far too long so you can finally share your gifts and talents with the world. This course is a live training. It is happening on July 14th and July 15th only. So if you want your questions personally addressed, Click the link below for more details to register and join us. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. Today we have Linda Rose. She is the general manager for Mary Kay Canada. Linda is passionate about improving entrepreneurship opportunities for women and is proud to have served on the Government of Canada's Advisory Council on Women's Entrepreneurs and Business Leaders, where she advised and shared insights on issues affecting women in business. Today, Linda serves on the board of the DSA, Cosmetics Alliance Canada, and as the chair of the board of directors for Look Good, Feel Better. With the Mary Kay independent sales force leading the way, Linda is looking forward to celebrating the company's continued growth, all while perpetuating Mary Kay Ash's legacy. So please welcome to the show, Linda.
1: Hey, Makini. It's great to be here with you again after spending (laughs) some time with you on a few other things. (laughs) I
0: love it. I love it. I'm so honored that you agreed to come on and share your story with us. I've like you said, we've been on some events together and I've had the opportunity to hear you share your story. You have such an inspiring story of resilience. So I am honored that you said yes. So thank you. Thank
1: you. Well, it's mutual affection time, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
0: So I love to start the show with an icebreaker question. Okay, And I'm going to go with this one because I believe like before society tries to shape who we are and what we believe, you know, as little girls, we always, you know, had something that we wanted to be. So I would love to know, like, what did you want to be as a little girl before you became who you are today?
1: Wow. You know, I really want it to, to be in journalism. That's where I thought I was going to end up. I would watch, uh, you know, these journalists on TV and I thought, oh, well, maybe that's where I'm going to go. And it was always intriguing to me because they got to go to different places and experience new things. But, you know, I lived in this little tiny town um, of about five, six hundred people, and I just never kind of had the courage maybe to step out of that. Um, so there were transformative things that happened along the way that led me to this path. And, you know, that was kind of a dream, but I'm glad that God took me along this path for sure. Cause it was where I needed to be.
0: Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. So <laughs> tell us, how did you get to where you are today? Share, share with us the journey of how you got to, um, you know, being the general manager at Mary Kay cosmetics.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I love the word that you, that you said of journey because I think, you know, it is a journey. It's never a straight line. I always say to our sales force, there's construction on the way to success. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's never straight. And I think so much of what we accomplish as women starts with our story. Um, and as I said, I grew up in a really small town, about five, 600 people in St. Clements, Ontario, just outside of Kitchener. Um, and it was, a vi- it was a great idyllic, you know, life. I mean, I had a, a great opportunity. I had great friends. I went to a great school. But sadly, during that time frame, Um, I was sexually um, abused by a family member for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And that really did shape, I think, a lot of who I was. And of course, you know, like so many women that go through this experience, it has a profound effect because, you know, like any abuser, he was the type that would threaten me, that if I said anything, he would hurt my parents. So for years, you know, it became this secret. And then eventually you know he was no longer in the picture and and I was able to move on but I never really had those major discussions with my family so it was a secret that I held for a very long time. And I remember kind of a transformative moment because I was always a bit of a tomboy. I had very bad posture. And of course, it would drive my mother crazy. So she put me in these self-improvement courses. And I went to a self-improvement course that was you know, eight or 10 weeks. And I got introduced into cosmetics. I got introduced to taking care of your nails and how to do your hair. But at this time that I was there, the woman that owned the modeling agency took a liking to me and decided that she thought I was photogenic and that there may be an opportunity you know to to be involved in modeling and certainly not on a grand scale because I mean I didn't have the hype but it was a local modeling agency so I would do local fashion shows local shoots but what came out of that was they offered a makeup artistry course and I ended up taking that course and became a certified makeup artist um, which was great because I absolutely loved it and then I started teaching at the modeling agency I started teaching all the makeup artistry courses I started teaching some introduction into runway walking and that type of thing but I started working in the cosmetic industry just behind the counter selling product you know at our local Eaton's if anybody can remember that there was a chain called Eatons. <laughs> <I> remember. <laughs> you remember that and you know I worked for Lancome at the time and it was an incredible opportunity and I did really well I was one of their strongest salespeople, and then they offered me a job to move to Toronto and work as a coordinator for them. And I would go around and work with the the, the various accounts in in Toronto. And and that was huge. Having come from a really small town, I think my poor parents had a heart attack, but I was game. I was ready to go. I, I was just so excited by the adventure. And, you know, I had a great career there. I had top sales in Canada for a number of years. And then I was approached by a company to be the national sales director for a fragrance company that was starting out in Canada. And it was Giorgio Beverly Hills. I think everybody remembers that famous Mm -hmm. fragrance. And so I worked with this organization for a number of years and I was really one of the the youngest national sales directors at the age of twenty-five managing this company and had a great experience, learned a ton, worked for a great gentleman that taught me a tremendous amount. And, you know, so I started to really get my name known in the cosmetics industry and started to do quite well there. And then about five, six years later, I was approached by a hair care company to come help them start up their brand in Ontario. And at that time, I decided that I really wanted a change of scenery that I I was ready for something new. I wanted to try something new and it was going to be a great opportunity. And people thought I was crazy. Like, why would you (laughs) leave an established cosmetic company to go to an unknown hair care company? But you know, it was one of those old things when people keep coming after you and the money gets better and you think, Oh, Oh, I'm sure I can learn to like this. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. going to be okay. And had mm-hmm. I followed my gut, I would have probably known it was not the best thing. But we had great success. You know, we took sales from 50,000 wholesaling to 2.5 million in a year. And, you know, we really grew the brand in Ontario. And it was there that I met my husband and there that in my mid-30s, I decided to have have a child. And I never thought I'd get married. And I never thought I would have children. That was never in the cards for me. I just didn't feel that that's what I wanted to do because. I was really focused on my career because my career was something that I really hung on to. And Mm -hmm. I don't have a traditional career like most people. I didn't go to university. I was the kid on the street that learned how to sell. I had an amazing sales ability. I was teachable and I learned the business as I was growing. I, you know, I would deal with the top buyers in Canada. I was negotiating the space and location, you know, running a sales force, but it was just literally through hard work and a huge passion that I had in the industry to to move myself up. So when I got this opportunity, I took it, and then when I became pregnant, it was you know this was a whole other new world which i was over the moon thrilled about and in those days you got 6 months maternity leave so i went off on my maternity leave and i still was in touch with the company you know i was still you know talking to them every few days and i was still connected and and you know just still pretty much involved where i probably should not have been and the owners <laughs> of the company a husband and wife team said we need you to come out to a meeting in Vancouver and i said okay, well, I can make that happen. But my husband at the time was a homicide detective and there was a murder and my parents were in Florida. I'm an only child and I had no one to take care of my son. So I did some juggling and I phoned her back and I said, you know what? I'm actually gonna come in three days early for the meeting so I can get caught up on things and find out what's going. Because at that time, they had phoned me and told me they were promoting me to national sales director. And I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. well, this is good. I'm on maternity leave, I'm getting promoted. But I said, I have to come home on the Friday." because I just can't get help for the weekend. So she phoned me back. And she said, No, you have to stay till Sunday, because the flights are cheaper. And I said, (sighs) No, I can't do that. And I said, I'm a mom, I'm on maternity leave, you know, you can have me Tuesday till Friday at midnight, but I have to get home. So she thought about it. And then she phoned me back. And she said, No, it's fine. Your presence is no longer required at the meeting. And I thought, wow, "Uh This isn't good. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, six months later um, in September, she flew out to to Ontario and said to me that she was firing me because my job was no longer the priority. It was my son. And if I couldn't travel for work, how was I going to be able to do the job? And I remember that moment. I had never been fired, I had never had an issue within my career, I'd never had a performance issue. And it was just crushing because. For me, I felt as good as the job title I had. If I had a good job, it must mean I'm really good. It must, it, it, it filled my self-esteem.
0: And mm-hmm. so I very
1: quickly struggled with that. It was like, how could I be let go? How could this have happened? And instead of looking at the glass half full and saying, I have this time with my, my son, my beautiful six-month-old son, you know, maybe it's time to try for a second baby. Maybe it's time to reset. I couldn't do it. I was too hung up within myself Esteem and trying to, to build myself, and it was kind of interesting because at the time my girlfriend had signed us up for a course prior to me knowing. Obviously, I was going to be let go, and we walk into this room on this particular evening, and I did not want to go. I wanted nothing to do with it, but I remember walking into a room and there was two other women and this woman at the front of the the room and. The whole premise was on simple abundance. And as it turned out, Sarah Van Bretnack had been on Oprah, I think it was the Monday. And this was Wednesday and her book shot to the New York Times bestseller list. And here we were sitting with this woman who'd written this book and had just been on Oprah. And there was only four of us in the room. And she talked to us about the principle of when you become grateful for the little things in your life, that's when the big things will happen. Mm -hmm. That you're not going to be granted the big things that you want until you learn to have a, a heart of gratitude and learn to really respect the little things. And I remember her saying to me, she wrote in my book that night and said, always remember to be grateful. And she told me to go buy a journal and to go buy a pen. And I went home that night, and I did exactly that, and I started to write in my gratitude journal. And she tells you that you should write six things that you're grateful for every single day. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I started to write about what I was grateful for. And I remember writing, you know, I'm grateful for uh, my son. I'm a great wife. I'm a good mom. I mean, it was just very nondescriptive, very mm. unspecific mm-hmm. items because I just wasn't grateful for anything. I just felt I had been done wrong. And how could this have happened? But I persevered and I kept writing every single day. And then surely I would start to write things like I'm grateful for the written word because it frees my soul I Mm. my heart started to open up and I started to realize that I did have a lot to be grateful and I remember very specifically my husband and I driving past Mary Kay Cosmetics and him saying you know we live like five minutes away why don't you apply they're a cosmetic company you're you sell cosmetics and I can remember saying I would never work at Mary Kay I mean they drive pink cars, they have big hair, they wear blue eyeshadow. I mean, I worked for Lancôme, don't you know who I am? There's no way that I would do this. Um but then I pulled out a book and I started to read about Mary Kay because I have a lo- I'm a huge avid reader and I have books on Estée Lauder on, you know uh, Coco Chanel on Elizabeth Arden and I had a Mary Kay autobiography that I bought at a garage sale, wow. and I started to read about her company which was God first family second career third how she focused on the empowerment of women um, and it really started to resonate so I literally dropped a resume off. Unbeknownst to me, they'd been looking for a director of sales for six months, had not been able to find the person, and then I literally show up on the doorstep with a resume. I had twenty-two interviews (laughs) because they weren't too sure what to make of me. Where did this person come from? Um, I had to fly down to Dallas where I had ten interviews in one day, and I became the director of sales. And then Uh I moved, you know, my way up the company to you know national director of sales, VP sales and marketing, and then ultimately I've been the GM for the last six years. So. I've learned a ton about myself. I've learned a ton about my resilience. You know, I've had I have a 24-year-old son now. I'm divorced. Um I've moved and it just you know there's a huge learning of where I've come from, but I don't think I've ever forgotten of where I've come from because those are the things that make you certainly who you are today.
0: I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like <laughs> so in everything that you just shared, like that was like <sighs> And this is why I love hearing everyone's stories. It's like a spiritual upliftment for me. But like, okay, first off, I'm really sorry about, you know, your experience of the childhood sexual abuse and even being fired for being a mom. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry you had to go through that. But the listening to how you tell your story, even in how you tell your story, the fact that you wanted to be a journalist as a kid, you were amazing at telling stories. Like, your story of just sharing your journey just now had so many highlights in there, so many emotional connections in there, so much up and down. So it's like you, you took that desire <laughs> to be a journalist and put it into I your guess, storytelling right? ability. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's, let's start with the, being fired for being a mom, because yeah. I know that a lot of the women who are listening are moms and you know, oftentimes we will sacrifice our careers or the things that we want to do or sacrifice ourselves um, for being a mom. And another woman fired you for putting your family first. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, so she clearly was not a mother. (laughs) Um, I would be shocked if you said she was. (laughs) She was actually. (laughs) Oh man, I feel sorry for her children. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I want to go into alignment then because with Mary Kay, mm-hmm. how their their values of yeah. God first and then family, how that aligned with you and who you are as a person, your core values and what you believe. Because oftentimes someone will look at a rejection or someone saying no as, you know, like it's so devastating and then they don't ever want to try again or it's a complete failure. Mm-hmm. But you... You know, learn to practice gratitude and putting things into place and how you ended up being aligned with. The career that you're in now, like even you living down the road from it, you having the book at your house from a garage, I believe nothing happens
1: by chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. I absolutely believe that. But I believe, though, that God doesn't set you up for something you're not ready to do yet. And I think I had to do the work. I think, you know, and I I remember it being in November when I had my first interview. And it was really funny because the gentleman that was interviewing me, the vice president of sales and marketing is no longer with the company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was let go. (laughs) He kept me waiting an hour and a half in the lobby and I didn't leave. And the director of HR came down and said to me, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I totally understand if you want to leave. And for some reason I didn't leave. I was like, no, I need to stay here. There's a mm-hmm. reason I'm here. I need to stay. And I think in any other time I could be like, I am not working for a company who keeps me waiting 90 minutes in a lobby, but I didn't. So there was something that held me there. Mm-hmm. I met with this gentleman, you know, he was not overly impressive, but what he talked about the company was overly impressive. And then when I started to meet the, the director of HR, and then they said, we want you to have an interview with the president next week. And I said, okay, that's great. I said, I was supposed to be in Florida, but I'm going to cancel my, my vacation because it's not a big deal. I'm just going down to visit my mom. I can rebook it. And mm-hmm. the director of HR phoned me back and she said, absolutely not. Your family mm-hmm. is important. You go and have vacation. This can wait. We'll talk to you when you come back. I knew then I was with the right company because they practiced what they preached. And it was like a living example of of what they were about. And, you know, it, there was an alignment. And I think for people sometimes to trust the process, mm-hmm. trust that the hard work that you're doing on yourself does pay off. And I think back to when I was taught about this gratitude, it was literally three to four short months later that the, all these, th- these, uh, worlds start to open up. And, and for me, I feel so incredibly blessed because, I've been able to work at a company where my belief in empowering women and supporting women and my belief in women that don't come from traditional backgrounds, that don't necessarily always have university degrees, that maybe Mm -hmm. are single moms, that maybe come from a different ethnic background, that you can be successful if you bet on yourself. And I'm so proud to be a part of an organization that allows women to have the freedom to do it their way. However, they want to do it. And and the reality is, a lot of our Salesforce members do this part time. They're not doing this Mm -hmm. on a full time basis, but there are some of them that are very specific and are running this as a full time career and business. And it's a marvel to me when I think about their stories and how they started. And I think what I fall in love with every single day is the resiliency of a woman and what they're Mm -hmm. able to accomplish. And, you know, you think of any woman in these last 12 months kids at home, homeschooling, mm-hmm. your husband might be at home, you bought a new puppy because you felt guilty because you've been yelling at the kids, right? And you know the fact that all of us survived this last year has been outstanding. Mm-hmm. And that's just the the maker, the makes of a woman. And that's what makes <laughs> me get up every single day and continue to do this.
0: Uh, and I, I got a puppy I, too because I
1: felt so guilty.
0: <laughs> I, I'm trying to find another puppy. I have one. <laughs> my, my dog's seven years old and I'm like, but we need another puppy at home. <laughs>
1: exactly. And it's my son who says to me, we don't need another puppy, mom. i was like, okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, see, I you've know. got one son. I've got three kids who are debating. Okay, so it's either you get a new puppy or a new car. And then one child says puppy, one child says car, and one says both. So, oh. like,
1: so you're the deciding yeah. factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pray for me. Love it. I will.
0: So, <laughs> so I love in all of that how you've shared your journey of resilience and being able to pick yourself back up to succeed and get to where you are right now. But then I love when you said a while ago that God doesn't give you anything like that you're not ready to do yet. And I mm-hmm. think about myself included and all the other women that I've had conversations with where sometimes we ask for things or we pray for things. And we're like, how come I haven't gotten it yet? And I remember listening to, I don't remember whose podcast it was, But basically, they were explaining that when we pray for something, it's almost like if you honestly are believing for that thing, you are getting it, but it's being sent to the version of you that Mm -hmm. needs to be that person. So it's either we're not seeing it because we are not walking in our greatness in that moment and there are things that we need to learn and understand so that we can handle the you know what we've prayed for so i, I totally thought about that when you said that and then when you were talking about gratitude I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a huge fan of gratitude. My third and fourth books are gratitude journals. I strongly believe in gratitude, but there are some people that don't understand the full benefits. Like people may look at gratitude, oh yeah, it's just, you know, that thing. Yeah, sure, be grateful, blah, 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 or looking at it as, you know, um, fluffy or something that's frivolous, but they they don't understand the depth of gratitude. Even when you talked about um, being told to get, you know, a pen and paper so that you can write things down. When Uh we write things down, it causes us to think. And when we start to think, it creates a picture in our mind, which Mm -hmm. uh, it causes us to feel. And when we start to feel, that's when we, you know, take action. And then it's in that, through that action, where we see, you know, the results in our life. So there's, there's things that happen. But even in the act of when you're talking about getting very specific with practicing mm-hmm. the gratitude, when we're, when we say, like you said, you know, you were listing, I guess, very, I wouldn't say simple things, but saying broad, things
1: of very that broad. you're grateful for. <laughs> yes,
0: very broad, and then you know, kind of surface level. But when we attach that to emotion not only does that lift our energy, our vibration, our spirits, but if we look at it from a scientific standpoint, like when we have a, a happy thought, it actually sets off a chemical reaction within our body. So right. when we get used to being in that, Better space, that more positive space. The benefits from that are endless. Like it affects our physical health, it affects our mental health, it affects our relationships, it affects you know our immune system. Like there's so many things that it actually affects. So I want people to understand like the That's true huge. Uh, benefits of gratitude.
1: You know, I obviously think if women would just start with that. If some people Mm -hmm. say, where do I start? Start with gratitude first. Because when you recognize everybody has something to be grateful for. The other thing that Mm -hmm. I really love is that every woman has a story. Every single Mm -hmm. one of us have a story that needs to be told that I can learn something from your story from another person. And one of the things that is very big in Mary Kay, we call it our eye stories. It's when a Salesforce member is introduced or we're talking to someone, it's like, tell me your story. Tell me about your eye story. And I think it's a really powerful tool. If you start to write down, just write down the things that Talk about your story of how, when you started and how your childhood was. And then that I story starts to become more confident about where you see yourself going and how you see yourself. I can remember being 20 years old, working at Eaton's Kitchener and a woman by the name of Victoria Courtney, who worked for Lancome, came in in her fox coat, her beautiful hairdo, nails done perfectly working for Lancome. And I can remember looking at her saying, I'm going to be her one day. And she had such an impact on me. And I just think for the listeners to know that their story is relevant. And for other people to learn compassion is that everybody has a story that needs to be heard. The abuse that I suffered made me who I am today. It also Mm -hmm. made me realize that some of the dysfunctional relationships I've had with men are a result of that, that they're still mm-hmm. learning that I have to do the the constant trying to please, whether it be my male bosses or, you know, uh, a man in my life. And now I'm starting, you know, you get to your point in your fifties, um, well, almost 60, um, to figure out that I don't have to do that anymore. I, mm-hmm. the most, important person is me, that I have to please myself. And it's, you know, that old story about put the oxygen on yourself first, take care of yourself first, because then you have energy for the kids for the work. Um, And I've just learned that I have to make myself a priority. Now, don't get me wrong, I've got lots of things I need to work on still, you know, my health, and, you know, I need to lose a few pounds, and all of those wonderful things that go with life. But I still try to love myself through the process
0: hmm Give yourself some grace and, and yeah. compassion. You know, yeah. a couple of things that, that you said just now. One was when you said the, the woman that walked in and how, I guess, you looked at her and it was like, that's who you want to be. There was an episode I did recently with Savannah Hamilton, who was on mm-hmm. one of the events with us. Um, yes. So for those that are listening, go back and find Savannah's episode. She's a right. female NBA journalist so she was talking about having a very similar experience in terms of seeing a curly haired woman i i believe she was also mixed as well and she was like you know that's who i want to be that woman gave her a representation for something that she didn't think possible because she didn't see someone that looked like what she wanted to be in that industry and when she saw that woman um the the visual of that woman gave her hope and something to Mm -hmm. aspire to to work towards. So no matter what it is, whether it be, I don't know, whether it be seeing someone of the same sex, seeing someone with the Mm -hmm. same um, hair color as you, like whatever it is, representation absolutely matters. Absolutely. For us as people who are visual people.
1: Yeah. And, you know, as a mom of a, of a biracial son, you know, I was, you know, in a, 20 year plus marriage. You know, my husband was black and having a biracial son, it is so important for representation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's had the best of both worlds. He'll often say that, but at the end of the day, he still looks for people that look like him. And Mm -hmm. when he goes into his career, he's in zoology and, you know, he feels, it, he feels, you know, validated when he sees people that look like him. He sees validated when he sees political leaders like Barack Obama or people that can relate or can represent him. I have a stepdaughter, mm-hmm. you know, my, my husband, ex-husband had a, had a, a daughter and her and I are very, very close and, and I see it through her eyes and how important Mm -hmm. that is just to be noticed. I see it in our sales forces eyes, you know, in our black leaders in the sales force, our indigenous leaders, our Asian leaders in our sales force and our Caucasian leaders that all of us be represented. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's so important because it reminds you. And I think, you know, for me as a little girl growing up in a small town meeting people like that makes me remember that I can do it. And, you know, that's why I try to give back so much of my time um, when it comes to mentoring, because I just think it's that time when somebody can just take a little bit of time and help someone to visualize their dream and help them put it into action. I obviously can't do it for them, but I can inspire them to to your point, get things written down to take that action plan. There's a saying that I love, and I always remember, but it says, I'm not afraid to eat alone because I know what I bring to the table. And Mm. I think so many women have to start, what is it you like about yourself? What are the things that you bring to the table? And and so many women, when I talk to them, can't answer that. They stutter. I'm not sure. I mean, what do you bring to the table? What are the strengths that you bring? And I think when you can articulate that, and you can explain that it makes you so much better in everything that you do, because until you learn to love yourself, and treat yourself Mm -hmm. with the respect, because if I was to ask someone that I'm mentoring, can you describe your colleague and what she brings to the table, they could list off five, six things of how amazing that person is. But when it comes to themselves, they stop dead in their tracks. I mean, I know that I'm a great communicator. I know that I love to, I'm able to present, that I've got good strategic vision. I am not the person on the detail. I am not the person that's going to major in the minors. I'm not necessarily the person that's going to execute. But do I have the vision? Do I have the ability to communicate? Do I have the the ability to choose who's best for those roles? I have a strong intuitive ability I have a level of fairness that I work with all the time. That I know that that I my moral compass is strong. What I do for one, I can be willing to do for others. Those are the things that you have to know what you're good at, mm-hmm. and when you value that, I don't know the world just starts to open up. But if you're not sure what you bring, it's hard for opportunities to arise.
0: And that's why self love is so important, and it's beautiful. So, like even like. You just knew right off the bat what your strengths and what your weaknesses are, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't take the time to get to know yourself. You know, oftentimes, especially as women or as moms, we put the whole world in front of us. And then we don't know who we are. We don't know what, what we want. And I went through that phase shortly after my divorce where I had mm-hmm. to rediscover who I am to figure out what is McKinney like? What, what are McKinney's strengths? What are her weaknesses? So that I could work on those things. So it's very important for the women listening, like spend time, get to know yourself mm-hmm. so that you can know what your strengths and weaknesses are. So you know exactly what you bring to the table.
1: You know, and I think, you know, what is the tape recording that's going through your head at all times? Mm -hmm. Um, I think about my marriage. I mean, we had a good marriage. I mean, it's just we grew apart. But I remember there's the tape recording was he would always say to me, you're not educated. Always would remind me that I didn't have a formal education. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm, you know, head of a company, but he always Mm -hmm. reminded me of that. And then I remember the one when he shortly after I had Darius, he told me at 150 pounds, he was no longer attracted to me because I was fat. Guess what? (laughs) I don't weigh 150 pounds, right? Because that tape recorder played in my head. I gained a lot more because that t- tape recorder kept playing. And that was the thing I focused on. I didn't focus mm-hmm. on all the good things. And I think you have to consciously work at removing those tape recordings. It's not easy. Absolutely. I understand yeah. it. And I understand that it's not an easy process, but the more you can get rid of those tape recordings, the easier it is, is going to be for you to focus on your future and, and what you want. And that only happens when we reflect, when we're quiet, um, when we're in nature, when we're writing in our journals, when we're focusing on gratitude, that we can start to have those more positive thoughts start to erase the tape recording, the negative tape recordings that are in our head.
0: Absolutely. That that programming is very, very important. There's a lot that we've learned or been taught or been programmed that we need to unlearn and relearn. And right. no matter what habit or uh, tape recorder or you know negative self talk that's playing in our head, in order to replace that, we have to actively um, replace it with something else. So, like if, you know, if someone were to quit a habit or whatever, I don't know, let's say they wanted to quit smoking or what have you, mm-hmm. they if they quit just cold turkey, they will pick up another bad habit. You have to actively, intentionally replace that with. A new positive habit. So, whatever thoughts are in your head that you need to replace, you need to intentionally replace that, you know, with uh, a positive thought or, or positive habits. But I love how, you know, even how you share your journey of yes, you had those negative ex- experiences, but your resilience and the fact that you keep, I'm going to say, intentionally working on yourself and at the same time using that to serve on a larger scale. Yes. I love that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think, you know, the more time we invest in ourselves with and it's not about a selfish thing. It's about being able to give back, being able mm-hmm. to have the energy to give back. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are skills. You know, I think about the times that we've spent on these conferences, and we we all talk about the same thing. And and I often wonder because I'm sure that some of the the people that are listening are going, yeah, yeah, but I need to know about how do I get the promotion? How do I get this? <laughs> you mm-hmm. get it when you invest in yourself. Absolutely. I mean, there's the correlation, and and we talk to them about that, the importance about spending time with yourself, about the. Self-love, that's how you get the promotions because people start to view you in a different light when you start behaving Mm -hmm. differently. And it doesn't start till that internal piece is fixed.
0: Yeah, because you radiate a different type of energy. You know, confident, confident people talk different, people who love themselves, people who are healed, we we listen different. We, you know, we interact with people differently. So that's what people see in order for you to get that promotion or those things that you're looking for within your business. For sure. I mean, I love my mom. I love my mom
1: to death, but my mother is the most negative woman on the face of the earth. I mean, she can look at anything and find, you know, no, I don't like Mm -hmm. them. Why don't you like Mm -hmm. them? I don't know. I just don't like them, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, but it taught me that I just didn't want to live my life like that. I wanted to have, um, and she regrets everything. You know, she regrets everything. Every, I, don't, I think I made a mistake and I don't live in regrets because it's too mm-hmm. short. It's a decision. Mm-hmm. It's a mistake. It's, it's a worse decision not to make a decision. I mean, exactly. you Don't you know, I think I've seen that so much in business where people don't make decisions. Well, they affect everybody. I'm a firm believer in making a decision work through it, live through it and just learn from it. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're good, sometimes they're bad, but it's not going to kill anybody. Um but just make a decision.
0: Indecision is a decision. Right. <laughs> it's right. a decision that you made on on the opposite side because you're not exactly. making any movement. You're not growing, you're not evolving. Yeah. For sure,
1: that's good. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they could stay connected with you online.
1: Well, um I probably the best is through Mary Kay Canada. We have a great Instagram site um, at Mary Kay Canada, and that's where you'll see, you know, the sales force, and you'll hear notices about me or anything that I'm doing. I'm not like you; I don't have these big presents. I don't have these big platforms. <laughs> I am on Instagram, but I'd say through Mary Kay Canada, they always have what's going on, and and you'll see a lot of stuff that that's connected. And you know, if you need to get a hold of me through those, you can always reach out um, through email. They'll they'll get they'll find me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I'll have those links directly in the okay. detailed section so they don't have to search too far.
1: Thank you. So you're welcome.
0: So the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. It's kind of like a, you know, rapid fire, and sometimes they break my own rules, but I'll ask you some <laughs> reflection <laughs> questions and you share the first thing that comes to mind. That could be one word or one sentence. Okay. How has being a mother changed you?
1: Oh, it taught me patience because I had this vision of what my son was going to be. And he wasn't that. He didn't turn out like that. My Mm
0: -hmm. son was going to
1: be the athlete. He was going to be, you know, the social butterfly. I have a young man who is incredibly passionate about animals, the environment, spends more time in a museum (laughs) than he would on a, a baseball field. I always remember my husband who was, you know, very alpha male. We went to a baseball game and Darius yells out, what period is it? And you could just see his poor dad just go, Oh, I can't believe this is my time. <laughs> yeah. But it's taught me patience because um, you can't control it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. What new belief, behavior or habit has improved your life in the last five years?
1: Meditation. And I struggle with it. I'm not good. I think we were laughing about it. I mean, you know, because, of course, I'm such an overachiever. I was, okay, I'm going to (laughs) begin meditating. And I think I was telling you and Connie that I decided I'm going to meditate. So I set up a 30-minute meditation. Well, that was a disaster because within about a minute I was fidgeting. And, you know, so then I started with a minute. And then I started with two minutes and I, you know, and I'm learning now that I can sit quietly for 10, 15 minutes, but it really does calm my mind. It calms mm-hmm. my soul and I have clarity in those moments. So that has been something in the last couple of years that has been really, really important for me.
0: Love it. and totally agree with you. Mm, name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life.
1: Well, I just read this amazing book called A Walk in My Stiletto. <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoyed. So thank you very <laughs> thank much. Thank just I just thank read you. it. And it was fantastic. And there's lots of juicy bits in it that I totally related to and absolutely knew why I loved you. But I just Aww. finished a book called Number One, and it was about the residential schools. And mm. it was, you know, it just – I feel guilty as a Canadian. I feel guilty that I didn't know about this. I I Mm -hmm. feel angry at our system that it wasn't taught to me in school. I feel angry that this happened to young children and to um, an Indigenous community that had, were basically told to forget where you came from. Mm -hmm. So just listening to this woman who went on to get so many different degrees, be the chief, um, her story was absolutely incredible. and it just touched me. I just finished it. And it was one that really moved me to know what she went through. And then just the injustice that they've had to go through was was absolutely uncalled for. And, and just it wakes you up about how lucky, how grateful mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. um, just because I happen to have been born in this skin. But it makes me realize that there's a whole lot more we need to do in this country to recognize and support these people. Because it's, it's historical, you know? Yeah. It, it goes on for generations and that carries on and we need to help them to move past so that they can have the joy that they deserve to have with their families.
0: Yep. The generational trauma and the destroying oh. of their identities and their history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we could get into a whole podcast conversation Absolutely. about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, <man. laughs> Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be of money, time, energy.
1: I'm going to say travel. And I know that sounds odd, but, I'm a firm believer. I've learned so much about the world and culture and other people's culture through my travel. Mm -hmm. And it's something I've invested with, with Darius. Um, Darius was diagnosed at a a young age with learning disabilities, but I always believed in him. I never, Mm -hmm. I was told that he would never graduate from, he would never, he would graduate from high school, but I'd be lucky if he'd hit university, if he'd ever go on. And this kid has just defied the odds because I found his passion and his Mm -hmm. passion was zoology, paleontology. So we would pick a museum every year and we would go to it. One time we went to London, you know, there's times we've gone to, to France, we've gone, he's traveled to Africa. Um, Mm -hmm. But that travel has opened my eyes. And I think it's an investment. Not only does it cure your soul and make you feel better, but when you learn about the world around you and, It's not just about your world, your Mm -hmm. world, the problems in your world become a lot less big and you Uh, learn what happened historically that helps to guide you. So travel for me is a big investment because I think it just teaches you so much when you're willing to learn about other people, other cultures, um, and the historical value that it has and the impact it's had on the world. I
0: love that. And I agree with you a thousand percent.
1: Yeah. Where are we going? Let's go. (laughs) I said, I'm ready. I know. (laughs) Don't tell me I'm ready.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) What keeps you up at night?
1: Oh, sometimes just worrying, you know, am I doing the right things? Um, You know, when you lead an organization and, you know, you lead a team of, of women, a large team of women and men that are selling your product. You feel responsible, so sometimes there's the the worrying. Um, but I've learned now. I write down what I can affect. I deal with it in the morning. Um, I have to develop a routine to help me get to sleep sometimes, but <laughs> I would say that that's it. And it's not that I, you know, I just, it's cause I care. It's cause mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it and I want to do well for our, our people and our sales force. but it does. That's probably it. Other than that, I'm not a huge worrier. I tend to let things go. It's happened. I got to move on. I can't dwell on this, but that would be the most thing is where I'm thinking about, okay, well, what if this happens? What can we do here? How can we make it better for them? But it's mm-hmm. more of a creative, what's keeping me up at night, trying to always think about how we can help them.
0: Love it. Love it. Okay. Um, last but not least, when and where are you the happiest?
1: Early morning, very early morning. I tend to get up quite early. Um, Mary Kay always believed in the five o'clock club. She said, if you got up at 5am every morning, you had an extra, Um, I think it's nine or 12 hours a week. And I love the early mornings. I've been doing that for years because it's quiet. Mm -hmm. I open the curtains and I just recently moved to the country. So I look out onto my conservation area. I get to see, you know, different animals. I get to see, you know, nature with no cars, no noise, (laughs) and I can do my meditation, but that's my happy place early in the morning. I, love I it. do need to adopt some walking in there like you. I know that I need to get there. And I think of you every morning going, she's out walking. I know she's out walking. <laughs> I'm going to get there, Makini. You're going to be proud of me one day. I promise. I'm already
0: proud of you. Oh, I'm no. You're going to be proud. really proud when I start walking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come out to where you are. We're going to do some walks together. I am Absolutely. totally up for that. Okay, <laughs> we gotta yeah, make that There's happen. so many trails
1: here. <laughs> you'd be in your glory.
0: <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm already excited. I'm like, okay, send me the directions.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: oh wow linda i want to thank you so much for just sharing all of your gems with us like you just dropped gem after gem after gem your story is so inspiring you are so resilient you are making such an impact in this world and if you have not been told today you are
1: absolutely amazing oh thank you well one of the greatest blessings of Working with society, collective society, three hundred and sixty has been meeting you and Connie and the other panelists, and it just felt like a family from day one. And mm. I'm just grateful that you're in my life, and I know I have a feeling you're going to be there for a long time. So, oh yeah, you're we're, stuck we're with great. Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're grateful for you too. So just so you know, you're awesome.
0: Alignment. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so so much, Linda. I truly truly appreciate you. To all of you, legacy leavers out there. Until next time. Subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It has been an absolute honor to read all of the reviews and to see how the show is resonating with all of you. Feel free to... Join the community of legacy leavers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at a and you can receive a free copy of the in My Stilettos Gratitude Journal. You can also grab any one of the other personal development books available online everywhere. If you can think of I'm challenging you to three women that would receive value from hearing Linda's story today, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode. And you can tag us on Instagram at Mary Kay Canada and at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.